Two Sundays ago, I braved a snowy drive to church in the morning to watch worship and catch up on emails in the office before an event that afternoon. The Super Bowl of Caring with an OU and soup is an annual donation and food drive we participate in on Super Bowl Sunday. Youth from organizations across the country use this unofficial holiday as a chance to raise awareness about hunger and encourage people to do what they can to make a change. I was sure this Super Bowl of Caring would be a flop. Normally, our youth traverse the aisles during worship wearing food-themed costumes and collecting money. This year, we hosted a donation drive through for anyone to come and donate money or a box of food to support organizations here in Kansas City that aid people with food insecurity. I thought it was a fun idea until I felt the single-digit weather and soft, fresh snow begin to fall. Who wanted to get out in this when they could just donate online? I was wrong. In the two hours we were here, dozens of cars came through to donate. Many were reminded in worship that morning, but others saw our youth and children dancing on the sidewalk in the freezing snow with posters announcing food drive today. We ended up raising three times as much money as we normally do and received enough food to cover two full-length tables in the room we used for storage. My expectations for the day had been wrong, and I was thankful. But I have to admit, I've been feeling a little more cynical these days, and on the way home, I started thinking about a conversation a couple weeks prior I had about the cost for Super Bowl tickets this year. After a little research, I confirmed that the starting price for a resale ticket a few weeks before the game was twice what we raised with this Super Bowl of caring. And some tickets were going for as much as $200,000. Now, I know the meaning of money is contextual, but I've been thinking about this juxtaposition of figures and wondering what it means about how we understand something's worth. Does it say something that a few thousand dollars helped to raise the hungry feels like a lot when it's easy to not bat an eye at the same amount charged to attend half a sports game that many of us here in Kansas City are trying to just move past? In our scripture today, Jesus teaches about the worth of giving and praying, and I feel like the teaching speaks to the cynicism that's been tempting me. Matthew 6 is at the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, a long teaching from Jesus to his followers, most of whom were Jewish peasants and others from the margins of the Roman Empire. He warns them not to practice before others their piety, using a word we could also translate as righteousness or justice. It represents both rightness with God and with other people. Jesus then offers a few examples of how we might practice righteousness for God's attention and not the attention of others. He says that when one gives alms, they should not do it publicly like the showy hypocrites in their streets and synagogues, nor are they to pray in such a way. Instead, these things are to be done in secret, only for God who sees internally. I don't think those listening to Jesus were too tempted by this behavior that he criticized, though. They knew the worthlessness of such showy hypocrisy. Jesus' words would have reminded them both of Jewish leaders who had sold out to the Roman Empire, benefiting from the oppression of their own people, and of Roman elites and wealthy citizens who had established practices of giving and praying, but no concern with changing the system they lived in a system in which a few were rich, but approximately 80% of people were poor. The people Jesus taught probably wondered instead if it was even worth giving alms or praying in the first place, much less hiring a trumpeteer to publicly announce such acts. Did 
their small gifts make any real difference in the shadow of the frivolous wealth passed among a few? Was God ever going to hear their prayers and actually liberate them from their oppression? Jesus had already taught that those who seek righteousness or justice will be filled. The kingdom of heaven is theirs, he says in Matthew 5. So here, in teaching how to practice this righteousness through giving and praying, Jesus encourages his followers to still give to others in need and pray for the justice they seek. They should not give up on such things just because they feel hopeless, but can do them, knowing that their value cannot be measured in simple standards or determined from the attention of others. I read a book recently about someone in a hopeless situation who knew something was worth doing even though its value was invisible at the time. All the Light We Cannot See is a novel set mainly in France during World War II, and it tells of an unexpected encounter between a teenager from Paris and a young German soldier. Marie-Laure Leblanc is a young blind woman who fled fled Paris to St. Malo, a small coastal town after Germany occupied France. We know from the beginning that St. Malo is bombed towards the end of the war, and I'll try not to spoil too much of the story, but Marie-Laure ends up finding herself working with her great uncle to broadcast messages that assist Allied forces. That week of the bombing, Marie-Laure finds herself operating the radio alone, seeking help, the rest of her family missing, dead, or imprisoned. The other character in the story is Warner Finnig, Warner grew up in an orphanage in the German countryside and joined the army as a teen, feeling like it was his only option for any future, though he was very conflicted about his work. Warner programmed radios on the battlefield and tracked down opposing broadcasts. He had long dreamt of being a scientist or engineer. As a kid, he found and fixed a radio on which he listened to broadcasts each night of some unknown children's show about science, music, and curiosity. It turns out that Marie Lore's great uncle was a producer of that show, and that he and Marie Lore would both include snippets of that broadcast in their secret broadcast, trying to help out Allied forces as a futile filling attempt to share beauty and knowledge in the midst of so much tragedy and death. Warner is eventually charged with locating and destroying that broadcast, leading him to St. Malo right before its bombing. That week, in the middle of the chaos, he finds this house that broadcasted the show that changed his life, and his arrival there turns out to be timely. He opens the door, finds another German officer about to kill Marie Lore, who can't see him, and with a shot, Warner saves Marie Lore's life. I'd be lying if I told you the book ended here with some ambiguously happy ending. It's a World War II novel. It's about tragedy. More death follows this moment. But the thread woven between these two tragic stories demonstrates something essential about humanity. World War II taught us how violent and vicious our human species can be, but even in the midst of such evil, some unexpected, serendipitous beauty shines through. Today is Ash Wednesday, which kicks off Lent. Its traditional theme is repentance, so Ash Wednesday is a reminder both of our mortality and our human capacity for evil. Feels ironic, though, to begin Lent right now. The pandemic hit us a few weeks after last Ash Wednesday. It feels like Lent never ended. We've all been waiting for some Easter, so we've watched statistics climb as millions of people have died across the globe. 
We are exhausted. There are too many stories about financial struggle, about loneliness, isolation, anxiety, about the pre-existing inequalities in our country that have been exacerbated by everything going on. It's depressing, and I've wondered, is Ash Wednesday this year just too much? What is it worth trying to focus more on the fact that we are imperfect and so marked by death and devastation? In our scripture today, Jesus promises that those who practice their righteousness for God will be rewarded in secret, using a word that means something is hidden and cannot be known. I don't think that Jesus promises that God will quietly pay back with a plump check those who give to others and pray with the right motives, just as I don't think God will give us some simple reward that will make all the suffering around us right now worth it. Instead, I think Jesus is emphasizing that we don't know what type of reward will be given when we live our lives before God and not others. If we want some guaranteed prize or profit, we can live like the hypocrites who truly have received their reward. Maybe then the things we do from raising money to aid those in need to praying for change in a world that seems so resistant to change or praying for perseverance in the middle of this pandemic Maybe these things are to be done without any expectation of a certain end. We don't do them to feel good, to find the perfect answer to all the world's problems, or to finally absolve ourselves from all our wrongdoing. We know life doesn't offer such simple, happy endings. Instead, we pray and give and work towards change out of the simple depth of our humanity, its brutality and its beauty, knowing that somewhere within us, God is present, that God sees us and will reward us in ways we can't now possibly know. Ash Wednesday might just be all the more important this year because of the weight of what we bring. So we journey this Lent with the theme life, a Lent worth living. We wonder what makes life worth living as we bring our doubt and despair to God and confess and repent from our sin, not just our personal shortcomings, but the collective sins of our society. It's injustice, poverty, and violence. Ash Wednesday is not an answer to those problems. It's more of a question. We may not wear the ashes physically on our head tonight, but on Ash Wednesday, we wear the question, what is it worth being human when being human can be so bad. Tonight, on Ash Wednesday, and throughout our Lenten journey ahead, may we wear our humanity in its full before God, the brutal and the beautiful, seeking righteousness in secret, not anticipating a simple reward, but knowing nevertheless it's what we do as humans in the presence of God. As this winter slowly wanes and spring approaches, our humanity may just give way to the mysterious hope of Easter, and our cynicism, doubt, and questions may join hands with the rewarding hope and joy of God's eternal resurrection life. Amen.